We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Alex Golden. And I'm Michael Focci. And we are your hosts for the Best Pacers podcast, Setting the Pace. And on our show, you're going to hear interviews from former Pacer greats like Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest, Al Jefferson. In addition to that, we cover the latest Pacers news and recap and preview every Pacers game. And for our listeners, we have a brand new segment for you, a 24-7 voicemail available for you to leave comments and questions. That's right, and you can call 317-886-0415 to leave a voicemail. Once again, that's 317-886-0415. And lastly, you can find our podcast on all platforms, but most importantly, the best Pacer website out there, PacersTalk.net. You said it, Fachi. We appreciate any and all support. I'm Alex Golden. And I'm Michael Fachi. Let's go, Pacers. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. I'm your host for tonight's show, Alex Golden. And joining me, as always, is the one and only, the lovely Michael J. Focci. What's up, Foch? Alex, I'm doing great. Talking Pacer basketball, you know it's my favorite thing. And these Pacers, come on, it's always better after a win. So today was a good day going into work. Absolutely. You got to love coming into work after a Pacers win. There's no doubt about it. And in the fashion the Pacers won, you know, it was back and forth there with Josh Richardson and uh, 
Malcolm Brogdon down the stretch. But anyway, we have so much to talk about, Fachi, and not a whole lot of time to do it. So let's get things kicked off with Wednesday last week. We talked on Tuesday last week, and we haven't talked since. So last Wednesday was a huge day for Pacer Nation because we found out the official return of the one and only Victor Oladipo. Fachi, when you saw that news, how excited were you? I was pumped. I was honestly ready to get up and just leave work because I, I just <laughs> felt like there's no need for me to be here anymore. Because right. This news, I got to share it with people. And the people that I was with, I wasn't surrounded by other Pacer fans. I wanted to shout it because we didn't know. They kept saying, when is Oladipo going to return? It could be December. It could be January. It could be February. Well, we finally found out. And, hey, it's coming up. I think it's about 15 days from right now. So about two weeks when you're listening to this tomorrow, it's pretty damn good, Alex. I'm feeling good about that. It is pretty awesome. And as soon as he um, announced that he was returning on that day, it was kind of crazy because ticket prices skyrocketed for that game. Rightfully so. Um, As people know that I am doing my giveaway on Twitter. So we'll be announcing that winner next week on this show. So it'll be more than likely I'm going to wait till Wednesday morning to upload it. But that show I'll be announcing. My winner, I'm going to look through everybody's uh, likes and retweets. And, and if anybody quote tweeted it and said they in, that they wanted the tickets and gave a good reason why, I'm going to consider them as well. So I'm going to pick five people for next week, Fachi, and then I'll look through. Uh, we'll discuss the five people, and I'll let you help me pick the number one person that will get those tickets. But with that being said, I mean, with Oladipo returning, that, that means that the bench is going to have to be officially figured out. Mm-hmm. And that means we're going to have a lot of questions about the rotation. but I feel like I've been talking about that all year long. What is this bench rotation going to look like? I'm just kind of done talking about it, and I just kind of want to see what McMillan does. I'm here here for that because we've talked about so many times, okay, Jeremy Lamb back to the bench, who falls out of the rotation. We don't know yet. It it depends on how Nate's feeling, how the rest of the the roster shakes up uh, up until that point. But all we know is that – Oladipo's coming back. It's going to be a huge boost to this team. And I can't wait because I'm tired of saying of if we lose to a, a great team or a really good team, you know, like Miami Heat, for instance, and then being like, well, just wait till Oladipo plays. Well, the wait's almost over, and I cannot wait to play a team like Miami again with Oladipo. Right, right, right. And then, of course, once Oladipo's back, and if we lose to a good game, they're going to be like, oh, I thought we had to wait till Oladipo was back. And the Pacer fans are going to be like, yeah, it's his first week back, you idiot. Wait till the playoffs, you know. It's just going to be that same narrative going on and on and on. But at the end of the day, it's just great news to see that Victor will be back on the court. Not even sure what his role will be. But that same day, Fachi, we had ourselves a very interesting game. The Pacers were looking to get a quality win against the Miami Heat. And Sabonis, you know, had a great game. But outside of him, nobody else did. And – there was a little bit of a controversy there in the third quarter. The, the Heat are on like a, you know, like on a 20-point lead at this point. I mean, they're just going on a huge run. And T.J. Warren gives Jimmy Butler a decent foul. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't hard. It wasn't malicious or anything like that. But it was a foul that was a little bit of a, of a question mark, the way he kind of pulled on Butler's arm, whatever you want to call it. And Jimmy Butler just kind of like gets in his face, starts acting all Mr. Tough Guy, and – the little quiet T.J. Warren's like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? You want to get in my face? You know, he just he just didn't back down from the challenge, and I absolutely loved it. Eventually, T.J. Warren got ejected for uh, clapping in Butler's 
face after he got called for the offensive foul, the next possession later. Then Jimmy Butler had some choice words post-game, said that Warren was trash. He's not even in his league. Fachi, when that first happened, what was your initial reaction? I got off my seat because <laughs> we were witnessing some straight drama. I mean, we got T.J. Warren and Jimmy Butler face-to-face. I mean, they're, they're, they have to be separated. They're cursing at each other. I mean, the crowd's going wild. You know, T.J. Warren gets tossed out. He's giving middle fingers. So just it, it was just popping off. It reminded me of the old Heat-Pacer rivalry. I felt like this could be the next chapter in that. But I thought what was awesome was the differences in how they carry themselves. T.J. Yeah. Warren was calm, cool, collected after that just went on with his business. And Jimmy Butler just keeps whining and whining. He runs to Instagram. He, he circles the Pacers on, on the calendar and just keeps going on. And you know what? The Pacers went back to work. They handled business, and the Heat have not. So, yes, I am excited to play Miami again. I even hope we see them in the playoffs because we're not backing down. I thought TJ Warren handled it perfectly. He's not just going to be pushed around. He'll be ready. And I thought what was great, Caitlin Cooper pointed this out on Twitter, that this actually started in the previous matchup on December 27th. They got a little chippy. I think a little bit was said here and there. And then it carried over into this game where clearly, you know, it was more than just that foul because that was not a Ron Artest on Ben Wallace foul. No, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't. But I, I will say this, Fotch, I think that Jimmy Butler, this is what he loves to do. He loves to just talk and run his mouth and be Mr. Tough Guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're not in my league, T.J. Warren. Well, okay, nobody is even acting like T.J. Warren is in the same league as Jimmy Butler. We know that T.J. Warren is not a top 20 player in the NBA. There's no doubt about it. But we just like the fact that this is our guy. We're going to back mm-hmm. him. He's oh, a pacer. Yeah. He's a pacer. I mean, what do you expect pacer fans to do? Oh, yeah, all hell, praise Jimmy Butler. You know, that's just stupid. That's just stupid talk, Jimmy. Uh, but if I'm named McMillan, I am immediately putting T.J. Warren on Jimmy Butler the next game. Number one, if you don't put him on there, then Jimmy Butler will be like, yeah, you're not even man enough to guard me. And number two, if Warren is guarding Butler and Butler wants to make a, you know, uh, an example out of him, well, that's going to take the heat out of how they play. And that is exactly what the Pacers want because the Heat have been pretty good this season. So uh, I'm excited for this rematch. I'm just sad that it's still like two months away. I know it is. And I might have to petition to call TJ Warren the landlord because he is (laughs) holding up rent in Jimmy Butler's head right now. I mean, anyone can rent that Uh. because Jimmy Butler is frazzled. And Uh. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Well, I think that's, pretty much all I need to say about that game because the Pacers looked terrible in that game. You could really see why Malcolm Brogdon was missed. And of course the Pacers had had some struggles with Aaron Holiday at the starting point guard. We kind of mentioned that uh, the previous week. We're a little bit hard on uh, Holiday for his struggles. And then on Friday, the Pacers played the Bulls. There was no Brogdon and surprisingly no DeMontis Sabonis. So Jakar mm-hmm. Sampson got the start and, um, and, Brogdon said it wasn't Aaron Holiday again. It was actually T.J. McConnell who got the start. And, you know, honestly, I watched most of this game, but I was kind of flipping back and forth because I was doing some stuff with my wife. Um, Really great opportunity for Miles Turner to play in the absence of Sabonis at the five. But it was also good to see Aaron Holiday get his confidence 
off the bench going eight of nine and just really having a, a solid game there, Fudge. Yeah, 19 points, eight assists, only one turnover. He was eight of nine shooting. Aaron Holiday had a, the perfect bounce back game. Uh, I definitely love TJ McConnell more that second unit, but whatever you need to do to get Aaron Holiday back on track, uh, I, I thought this worked out perfectly. But back to Miles Turner. You finally got to see him more in just that, you know, typical five role. Turner had the best game he's had all season. Yeah. 27 points, 14 rebounds. I mean, 10 of 18 shooting. I felt like that was that was quite the performance for Miles Turner, and he has really flipped the switch in 2020. His numbers are up across the board. Uh, and this really looks like a guy who has just – Settled in to his role. The game's come to him a bit more. His numbers are up to 16.7 points per game, 8.2 rebounds, still averaging over two blocks. It's just a six-game sample size, but it was great to see him look dominant on that night. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Miles Turner looked fantastic in that game, and he made some interesting comments to Jeremiah Johnson uh, following the game, and it kind of made a little bit of a buzz on social media, but basically he said, yeah, I felt more comfortable playing the five because I played the five my whole life. In, in our offense, uh, the five is heavily used, and so it was a lot uh, it was a lot different this season to get a chance to be in that role again and not be used as a stretch four, which he has been. And he's, he's mentioned this, that it's been a difficult transition for him, and he is really trying to adjust to it and do the best that he can. But we saw, like, no offense to Miles Turner, but – that Chicago Bulls defense was atrocious. I mean, I felt like any of the centers could have really had a dominant game the way they were defending the pick and roll and the pick and pop. But it doesn't take away from Turner getting 27 and 14. I'm not trying to say that. But I, I also want to look at who they were playing because it was not an all-class defense right here. Uh, but Miles Turner, for, for sure, making some interesting comments. And do you think that he was trying to make a case to – fans or petition to fans like this is why I'm not the same that I have been or what what was the reason for that comment I don't know there there's been little jabs I feel like I feel like Turner was pretty hurt earlier in the season how fans kind of turned on him a bit and he's kind of lightly let it know that he was not happy about that I think he's gotten some of his his swagger back lately you know we've seen his play on the court very much pick up he's returned to social media all that, but he has thrown out little jabs here and there, and hey, rightfully so. He The man's playing out of position. He sacrificed a ton of touches, a ton of shots, and he, he really hasn't been, you know, overly complaining about it at all. You're not hearing anything negative at all from right. his team. He's just, at times, stepped away or, you know, not been the most, I don't know, the happiest of campers. Yeah, and I, and I think one thing that did not help his case is the Pacers started out 0-3 with him and Sabonis mm-hmm. starting, and then when he went down with the injury against Brooklyn, the Pacers had a nice little winning streak there. So fans were like, oh, see, they can't play together. Turner's the problem. And, and now when he came back, we saw uh, some good stuff from Turner. We saw some good stuff from Sabonis, but the team wasn't playing great. But, of course, Brogdon was injured those first couple games. They, he joined them again. So in all honesty, Fudge, I think that, recently and the, over the last month and a half or so when they play together they've actually looked pretty good and I'm just really sick and tired of the narrative all year long being oh you know gonna trade Miles Turner and it's like every single game 
if Turner has a great game, it's like, where's the Trey Turner camp at now? And then whenever Sabonis has a great game, yeah, Turner's soft. It's like, can we please just, like, not let what one individual's game stats do, like, affect the other person? Like, if Sabonis has a good game, it should not have anything to do with Turner and vice versa. It has to stop. I see it all the time. If if Miles Turner has a great dunk, it's like, well, you know, if that was Sabonis, everyone would be going wild right now. It's like, guys, how about we just root for – anyone on the team. Yeah, it's I mean, the Pacers. It, it's not the Miles Turners or the DeMontis Sabonises. Exactly. There's no God. need to trade either of them. They're both, they've both shown right now this is working. The Pacers are winning. They're a half game out of the fourth seed. I yeah. mean, th- there's no need to have a shakeup. I'm tired of seeing these trade machine rumors. Yeah, and I mean, anybody that's trying to trade Miles M- Turner for Andre Drummond, show yourself the door. Get out. We don't want that junk. That is stupid. That makes zero sense. Drummond and Sabonis together would be horrific. Horrific. What even put that thought in your head, people? The saddest thing is that move would prove just how valuable Miles Turner is to this team or how bad things would become for the Pacers. Absolutely. Fachi, well, let's take a quick break. Uh, We're going to recap that Philadelphia game here in a second, but we've got timeout with Tyler, and then we've also got – an interview with Kent Sterling on 10 Good Minutes. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up, Pacer fans? This is Tyler Smith, and it's time for Time Out with Tyler here for Setting the Pace podcast. And uh, before we look ahead to the Pacers and T-Wolves, I would like to use my time today to just give some love to the trio of Pacer point guards, along with Kevin Pritchard, who was the brains that put these guys together. But, you know, if you remember back to the offseason, a lot of people wanted Mike Conley, Pritchard had other plans, and uh, there was speculation that the Pacers wanted Ricky Rubio, and you know, he's a decent player, but wouldn't have been too exciting of a move, but instead, the Pacers go out and they get Malcolm Brogdon, probably the biggest name free agent they possibly could get, and though he's battled some injuries this year, and he has throughout his career, he's putting together a monster season. The Pacers are 18-8 and when he plays, uh, which would be a 57-win pace uh, if it was up throughout the whole season, so... And you got to remember, as I said in the podcast before, Dan Burke called him the best vocal leader since Reggie Miller. So incredibly high praise there. He's locked up for many years, wants to be here. Uh, Last night in the locker room after the win over Philadelphia, his teammates just raved about him and his poise, his uh, calm leadership, how clutch he is late in games. And so, you know, Pacers are in great hands uh, with Malcolm Brogdon. Fans already know about Aaron Holiday and what he can bring. He's got some shooting slumps here and there, but when he gets hot, he can carry the second unit. He's already hit a lot of big shots in his young career and is a great young piece to have for Indiana. So here's the thing, though. After Brogdon was acquired and Holiday was still on the roster, Kevin Pritchard still goes out and gets T.J. McConnell. And, you know, at the time of the signing, I thought maybe McConnell would take over Holiday's role and Holiday would take over Corey Joseph's role. Um, you kind of, you know, be a spark off the bench, not always in the rotation, be there if there's an injury, things like that. And then TJ was in the rotation right away. He struggled for the first three or four games, and I, along with many other people, wondered why he was even here. And, you know, I should have known in that moment, Pritchard knows what's up. McConnell has been excellent in his role. He's one of the best guys in the locker room, fan favorite. You know, those two back-to-back plays that he made against Philly uh, just embodies who he is and what he brings to the team. So he's everything fans wanted Travis Diener to be back in the day. So the Pacers are lucky to have him. And it's clear that all three of these uh, point guards are important and needed. 
And we've played half the season after the next game, and I couldn't imagine where this team would be without all three of these guys. So it's a great, great thing to have for Indiana, all three point guards. So next up, the Pacers have two straight games with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, the T-Wolves have struggled this year. They're 15-24. and 24. They have played a little better of late, uh, going 5-5 five and five in the last 10. They obviously have talent. It's a team that uh, many people thought would become one of the best teams in the West, either last year or this year. Um, it, it's going to be tough for the Pacers to win both games. I think the split is more likely. But if the Pacers can win both games, it'll put them in a great position before they head out on their Western Conference road trip. Obviously, they have Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins and our old pal Jeff Teague uh, leading the way for Minnesota. One thing to watch is that Minnesota takes the third most threes in the NBA. Indiana takes the lowest. So at times when there's a big uh, discrepancy like that, it makes you a little nervous in case uh, the Timberwolves are hitting if they're connecting from deep and they take so many. Um, can the Pacers match up with that? But if Indiana can guard the three even at a decent rate, they'll have a good chance to win at least one, if not both, of these games against Minnesota. We'll send it back to you guys. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Joining us right now on the phone line for 10 or 15 good minutes. We, we've got a pretty good guest today, so we're going to extend our 10 good minutes segment to 15. And that would be the one and only, the great Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com. Kent, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, fellas. Good to talk Pacers basketball at any time of year, but right now, uh, all the best time. Absolutely. So I just want to talk to you a little bit about what's been going on recently. Last night we saw that Malcolm Brogdon was back for the first time in a while, but we learned some interesting news today about DeMontis Sabonis with his knee. So can you get Pacer fans up to date on this knee injury, and should we be concerned? Well, you know, they say it's not going to get any worse, so he's going to try to play through it. They're going to try to manage the pain, and hopefully during the All-Star break get it healed up a little bit. But right now it's just a matter of pain tolerance for for Domas. And I, I think we saw last night, that he's not exactly what he would like to be. He missed a lot of bunnies last night, buckets that he normally converts. And and so they're able to manage, hopefully they're able to manage his minutes and, and get him back to full strength right after the All-Star break. Yeah, so, I mean, a guy like Sabonis is so vital to this team. Uh, you know, while they're saying that the injury can't get worse, do you think they should sit him out for a little bit? Because... You know, we saw a guy like Brogdon who maybe might have rushed back a little bit too soon and then needed to sit out for a few more games. I don't know. I, I think it's a matter of, like, the medical staff figuring out, number one, we don't really know what it is. We would assume maybe it's a bone bruise. And if it's a bone bruise, those things just take a lot of time to heal. You're not going to screw the ligaments up any more than uh, you would have had a likelihood to prior to the bone bruise. You just got to manage it through the pain. He's a tough guy. You know, he, he is averaging, what, like 18, 18-ish and 13. And so if, if you put him on, a, uh, on the bench and you don't have him available defensively to kind of clean the glass, I think it puts you at a disadvantage. So maybe you pick your spots, but maybe that doesn't do you any good either because if he plays at all, it just kind of maintains that level of pain for him until he's able to chill for a while. I, I think right now you leave it up to the kid, and, and if Domas wants to go, you let him go, and he seems like the type of guy who's going to want to. 
Yeah, and there's no doubt about it. We know Domas is a gamer. So I want to talk a little bit about Miles Turner and what we saw from Turner on Friday against the Chicago Bulls. Looked really yeah. strong in that starting center position. Uh, he made an interesting comment uh, to Jeremiah Johnson in the postgame interview, basically just saying, yeah, I finally got to play the five, the position I'm most familiar playing, and our offense runs a lot of pick-and-roll action for the five, and it was nice to kind of be in that role. I mean, should we take anything from this? Do we think that Miles is a little bit upset, or uh, was this just him being honest? I, I think it's just him being honest. Look, mm-hmm. this is a team without what a lot of people would assume is its best player, and they're 25-15 and 15 with a chance to, to get to fourth in the Eastern Conference in the short term and maybe beyond that when Vic gets back and that whole group kind of coalesces or, or congeals a little bit. So uh, I don't think that now is the time to start you know whining uh, about use and about where you're deployed and that kind of thing. Miles right now is playing that stretch four uh, on the offensive end and on the defensive end. He's a really good rim protector, and this is the way the thing is built. And it, if he doesn't like it, well, that's that's just tough. You know, there are a lot of guys. There are guys sitting on the bench who don't like the way they're being used. I, I would think that those guys would all like more minutes. I mean, nobody at the end of the day, uh, other than a guy like James Harden, maybe there are three guys in the league that think, you know what? Yeah, this is cool. I'm getting the ball as much as I want. I'm getting all the shots I want. In fact, Maybe I don't need this many shots. Maybe I don't need this many minutes. There are probably three of those guys. So, you know, what he's got to do is figure out that this is not about the name, not to be trite and a get-off-my-long guy. It's not about the name on the back of the jersey. It's about the name on the front. He's making $18 million a year. I think Miles is going to be okay. I couldn't agree more with that. And now uh, tomorrow, the game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, it'll be the halfway point in the year. Is it safe to say that at 25 and 15, the Sabonis and Turner pairing is working and we can put the panic button away and let this unfold? Because for just as you mentioned, being right behind the fourth seed right now, I'm feeling pretty happy about that. You know, I, I think that it is working. It's, I think it's working better than anybody had a reason to suspect it would. Uh, it's, it is going to be interesting once Victor gets back because Victor get, we asked Nate McMillan this today, uh, about whether it would impact Malcolm Brogdon and, and Nate said, no, it's not going to affect Malcolm and the way he's used. Well, it's going to affect somebody and the way that somebody's used. Maybe it's going to be TJ Warren. Maybe it's going to be miles. Maybe it's going to be Domas. I'm not sure, but you're going to peel about 16 shots a day or a game off of your offense because Vic's going to get him. Mm-hmm. And, and so with Victor taking those shots, we're going to see where the offense kind of where, where the opportunities diminish for others. But right now, I think it's been terrific. I think Miles is a great option as a stretch five and, you know, he's or a stretch four, whatever he wants to call himself or whatever Nate wants to call him. And, and a guy who's going to knock down some threes, he's going to be used as necessary other than that, it's a pick-and-roll game between Domas and whoever is setting the screens, whether it's Jeremy, whether it's TJ, whether it's Malcolm, and, and you kind of roll your offense like that. I, um, I, I have no problem with the way these guys are being utilized. It looked like it took a couple of weeks to get together and get people on the same page, but I think it's been beautiful on both ends. I think Domas has been better defensively than we mm-hmm. thought he was going to be. 
And then I think that Miles has done a terrific job of being a rim protector and moving at the level that he can to be an impediment to teams who are trying to score near the bucket. And I agree with you 100% there when you said that this has worked better than I think anybody even expected it to be. And I think we need to give credit to McMillan and Bo Sabonis and Turner for buying into their positions because, I mean, we saw Turner was visibly frustrated with his role and he talked to McMillan and, you know, he could have whined and pouted and just been, you know, unhappy all season long. But he figured a way out uh, to make this role work. And I think that we've seen... Really good play for Miles the last month and a half. Really since December on, I feel like we've seen a different type of Miles Turner, and I love to see that. But um, Malcolm Brogdon, we talked about this. I had you on an article on PacersTalk.net where we did kind of look at some of the things here. You know, Malcolm Brogdon, we know that he has injury problems, and they've been kind of up and down this year. But last night, just another, another chance to prove why he is so important to this team and what have your overall thoughts been on Malcolm Brogdon? You know, he gives the Pacers exactly what they needed going into this season. Uh, and they needed a guy late in games you could get the ball to, trust him with the basketball. Maybe he's going to make a shot. But if he gets fouled, he's going to run in 93% from the line. They really needed to upgrade their foul shooting to win close games. They did that. Brogdon, a really smart, heady guy who understands how a team needs to operate. Malcolm Brogdon's the guy who wanted to be here, understands what Kevin Pritchard's trying to build. So he's kind of he's kind of one of those guys. He's maybe your, your ambassador in the locker room, if you're Pritchard, who can kind of explain to guys what the overall vision is in a way that they're going to get it. Uh, I think that Malcolm Brogdon, and, and Pritchard said this when the acquisition was made, and we had the, the media availability with Kevin is that this changes the franchise entirely. And I think that it does because Malcolm Brogdon is that effective a leader and really has been more dynamic athletically than I think we thought that he was going to be. He can get downhill in a hurry and get to the rim. He's a terrific shooter, as evidenced by last year, him being a 50-40, what was he, or a 90-50-40 guy. Mm -hmm. You know, he's been good defensively. I think he's going to be better defensively when he's playing next to Vic instead of you know playing next to Jeremy. I think that this team has a lot of upside, and Malcolm Brogdon being amenable to facilitating for Vic is going to be a big part of that. Well, upside is definitely one of the key words there because we truly haven't seen just the full capability of this team until Vic returns. One of the things I was worried about was chemistry. The last few Pacer teams, they've had great chemistry. We added so many new faces. Who has been one of the new faces that really impressed you the most this year? You know, I, I'm going to go to TJ McConnell because I spoke to him today and, and talked to him about that and also talked to Nate about it. But McConnell's a guy, like an 82-game season is a crazy grind, right? I mean, it's just an ending for these guys. And you've got to have somebody on the plane, in the hotel, on the floor, on the bench, at practice, who's going to elevate everybody. And I think that T.J. McConnell has been that guy. He, he's a guy who defensively, again, has been a bit, little bit better than advertised. And then offensively, man, he's got guys that, that play. I think, I think he lifts guys in, in their energy and their movement because when they move, he delivers them the basketball in a place where they can score it. And last night you saw what he did in that little sequence where he hits kind of the 12-foot fadeaway on the baseline 
and then hustles back on defense, forces a steal, dives, taps it ahead, I think, to Warren. Warren converts for the, uh, you know, the point off, or points off turnover and gets the crowd involved. And I think that that was a really important moment in that game yesterday, and they might not win without it. That's what T.J. McConnell does, and I didn't see that coming. Yeah, no, <laughs> I didn't see that either. I thought he was going to be the third-string point guard behind Aaron Holiday, uh, not getting right. very minutes. It's just one of those things where uh, we kind of didn't realize Aaron Holiday would be better off the ball than on the ball as a point guard as well. But, uh, Kent, my last question for you. We saw Goga Bataze go down to the G League and just dominate with a 20-20 and 20 game. Yeah. And then last night, uh, Quinn Buckner mentioned it, the Pacers were trying to reward him for that great game that he had in Fort Wayne, or, or with the Mad Ants, I'm not sure if it was in Fort Wayne or not, but with the Mad Ants, and, you know, it just looked a little out of place once again. I'm not really sure what the Pacers can do to develop Goga uh, the right way, and I'm not sure if there really is minutes for him on this roster because it's so deep right now. What should the Pacers do, in your opinion, with the, the development of Goga Bataze? I think they're doing a great job. They work with him a lot in practice. I, I, I'd love to see him get a few more minutes, but those would probably come at the expense of Miles, and, and I don't think you need to go there. But I think that Goga has upside just you know to the nth degree. And I was watching a game last night with my wife, and I, I pointed at him. I said, that kid's going to be an all-star. He's got a great work ethic. Defensively, he moves really well. He's probably a little bit more athletic than Domas. He's 19, 20 years old. He's going to hang some more muscle on that frame. He's got a terrific-looking shot. Even if it doesn't go in all the time, it looks really good, and and I think that that's important. I mean, to this point, he's only made 19% of his threes, but he can throw them in. You see it in practice all the time. He's got a good head for the game, and he's got a kind of a great motor and a great competitiveness. His backstory is fascinating, where he spent some time being homeless in, you know, not – the Georgia with Atlanta in it, but war-torn Georgia, and by war-torn, meaning like Civil War war-torn, where he was on the streets for a period of time, he understands the opportunity he has here, and he understands what he can do with that opportunity as far as financial wherewithal for his family. I think that the more I watch Goga play, the more I talk to Goga, the more I watch him practice, the better I feel about that guy. I think eventually, and it may take four years, they may have to get into his second contract to get this done, but I think he's going to wind up being an all-star. And it wouldn't surprise me if at some point it winds up being Goga and Domas on that front court and Miles. I'm not sure where Miles fits into that equation. That's a long way off, and that is like that's crazy speculation on my part. But I, I look at that kid, and I see nothing but upside and potential because there's nothing to stop him from being exactly who he wants to be. Some high praise for Goga, and I will be enjoying the ride all the way. But, Kent, right now, uh, the East seeds four through six, tighter than an old jar of pickles right now. Where do you see <laughs> Where do you see the Pacers finishing at the end of the season? Because right now, it could be anywhere, except it seems like a top six seed seems pretty, pretty sure. Yeah, I think they're going to be a top six. They're not going to fall below 500. And Orlando right now is at 19-21 in the seventh hole. Uh, when Embiid comes back, the 76ers are going to be vastly improved. I don't think that the Heat are going to be able to 
think are going to revert to kind of the mean a little bit. I think that the Pacers finishing fourth in the East with the absolute upside, I think that's certainly a possibility. And I think if everybody stays healthy, there's no way they fall beneath six. Yeah, no, there's no way I can see them dropping from six either. But, Kent, we do appreciate you taking some time and talking with us. And hopefully we can do this again soon. This was really fun, and I really enjoy talking with you. All right, Flatchy, so we just heard from Tyler Smith and Kent Sterling, two great guests, both really in touch with the Pacers, and really high praise for Goga there from Kent. I was not expecting that, but, um, yeah, anyway, we, we have a little bit more to talk about here, and I want to start things off recapping that game against the Philadelphia 76ers last night. Um, just just a really fun game. I mean, it was making me nervous there a little bit in the second quarter when I think we only had five made field goals the whole entire quarter. But Pacers turned it around and got a win in the fourth quarter. Fachi, what did you think about that fourth quarter performance from Malcolm Brogdon? Malcolm Brogdon saved his best for last because Brogdon only had five made field goals in the game, but I felt like he saved at least two or three of them for when it mattered most. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, some big free throws down the line. I, I'm not going to lie. I got a little nervous when out of nowhere he missed one. You know, that's got to be just rust. But at the same point... The Pacers fought, they scratched, they clawed, they did everything possible to come back in that game, and they closed it out. It was every reason why I missed Malcolm Brogdon, to see how he handled himself at the end of the game. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Malcolm Brogdon proved, once again, while no matter how great Aaron Holiday plays for a stretch, no matter how energetic T.J. McConnell is off the bench, you need a solid starting point guard to run your team, and Malcolm Brogdon proved that that is exactly what he is. He is the reason the Pacers spent the most money on him in free agency. He is the future at the point guard position, and we haven't even seen and tapped into the potential of what him and Oladipo can be. I mean, Fachi, I am ecstatic about what Malcolm Brogdon is going to mean for the future of this team. I mean, we're just scratching the surface, Fachi. We're just scratching it. It's starting to feel real because now that we have the return day for Oladipo, we're finally going to get to see the team that we envisioned all year. But also, yeah, I have to tip my hat to T.J. Warren blocking Tobias Harris' oh, three-pointer. Yeah. At the, I mean, to see the defense that we heard didn't even exist. We've seen it on display. T.J. Warren has stepped up. He's been a much better defender this year. He brought it on the offensive end of things last night with 21 points. But he closed out on that defensive play. The Pacers just smothered Philly in the last two minutes of the game, holding them scoreless because the one thing I said, I tweeted out, Ben Simmons had 20 points at halftime, 9 of 11 shooting. The Pacers shut him down in the second half. He went (laughs) 1 of 6, scoreless in the fourth quarter, and the Pacers won. 101-95, 101-95, it was 69-69 going into the fourth, looking like a 90s NBA game. <laughs> I loved every second of it. Yeah, I felt I thought Dell Davis was out there playing for a second, but uh, <laughs> but, but little did we know it was actually uh, DeMontis Sabonis. But uh, anyway, you know, that was just a great win. The Pacers really needed that win, not only because they have a tough road schedule coming up here, in the next week or two, but because Philadelphia is right there with them for that 
uh, four through sixty that you were just talking about with Ken Sterling, mm-hmm. and now they've gotten two wins on Philadelphia. Yes, they didn't have and beat in both games, and you got to take advantage of that. I mean, we just crushed them on New Year's Eve, but last night was a little bit of a tougher, tougher matchup, and I just was shocked at Josh Richardson that second, that fourth quarter. Guy was seventeen points. He was unbelievable. The Pacers had no answer for him, but down the stretch, uh, it looked like Brogdon just was a little bit better, and that's what got the Pacers mm-hmm. to win. And it just goes to show how awful this uh, Philadelphia team is on the road. They are oh, a putrid, like I think difference. seven and fourteen or something like that. Yep, exactly. Yeah, seven and fourteen on the road. So it shows that. Home court advantage if these teams meet in the playoffs is massive. Absolutely. Pacers taking that two to one lead, it, it's it's huge. You can't under you can't undersell it enough. I mean, this is this is big time. So to go up two to one in the series, you got to be happy. It was a gross game at it times. Was. It was the ugly. Pacers it was not won. fun to watch. It it wasn't fun, but. It was the end result was real fun. I mean, I was happy about that because the Pacers won this game shooting thirty eight percent from the field. Yeah, uh, I don't awful. know if we've won another game this year shooting below forty percent. I hope we don't have to win another game shooting below forty percent, but we showed that we can. Guys stepped up when they needed to, and we got it done. Sabonis did not look healthy. It worried me. It did, but yeah. it showed that other guys. Including the bench, Justin Holiday with fourteen, other guys stepped up when they needed to. Yeah, and I just say this: like I'm kind of getting worried a little bit about Jeremy Lamb. I'm not really sure what exactly his role is on this team. I feel like he's kind of trying to figure that out too. So I'm kind of excited for Oladipo to come back, maybe give him more of a role with that second unit. I think him and T.J. McConnell are great friends; uh, they're locker buddies, and I think maybe playing with McConnell might be better for Lamb. I'm um, not sure who he's going to take minutes from, but I just love uh, the potential uh, of McConnell and Lamb off the bench together. I just I just want to see Lamb be more uh, of a focal point with this Pacers team because mm-hmm. there are times when he's hot and he can go for 25, 30 points a game. Like, we know that's in him, but too often there's games where he's getting four to five points and Justin Holiday might be closing the game out instead. So, um Nothing against Lamb. I'm not mad at Lamb. I'm not saying Lamb's a tradable asset right now, which I think he could be moved for the right person, but I don't think that he's just some guy that's not going to be in the rotation until the depot returns. He's too valuable to this team. I just have a little bit of a concern with what he's going to be going forward, um, and I'm just I'm just not sure what his role technically is, and I want to see that. Yeah, I mean, for right now, he seems like the starter that kind of plays the least out of the group uh just 23 minutes last night about 10 minutes less than than every other starter but he has been struggling lately just six points combined in his last two games right so we saw him in the beginning of the year he was so consistent scored in double figures in like 15 straight games right uh lately the scoring has dipped off i am excited to see him come off the bench because i think that that will help him and i think it's going to make that second unit that much deeper, that much better. The the bench has really just they've stepped up when they had to. While last night wasn't a huge bench performance, you know, scoring wise, we, we really saw it against Chicago. Absolutely. So. so well let's let's take a quick break here, Fachi. We're gonna come back with Facts of Fachi. So I'm gonna cue your music up and we are going to jump into Facts of Fachi.
so get your facts straight. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, everybody, we are back with Facts with Fachi, and my fact of the day is TJ McConnell is on pace to become just the fifth player of all time to average over five assists per game in under 20 minutes. He currently sits at 5.2 assists per game, something that has not been done since John Stockton in 1985. Alex, what do you think of that? Oh, I think TJ McConnell is the modern-day John Stockton. (laughs) <laughs> one can only hope I wish <laughs> I mean they do kind of look alike but that's about the only thing those two have in common I think that what it shows is that TJ McConnell is just a guy that's always looking to get his teammates involved mm-hmm. I so. mean it, it blew my mind I looked at it he's playing under 19 minutes giving 5.2 assists so it's just what a luxury we talked about it earlier in the year we did not know what his role was going to be he was like the icing on the cake to this team but he's proved to be a, a very worthy pickup. Absolutely. And I, I love TJ McConnell, and there's not a bad thing I can say about him. So um, are you ready for the Golden Star Player of the Week? Bring it on. All right, Fachi. So this one was really tough for me because Wednesday the Pacers got annihilated by the Miami Heat. But we saw DeMontis Sabonis have a good game. Friday, Miles Turner has a good game. So does Aaron Holiday. Last night... It was Malcolm Brogdon that had a great game, and T.J. Warren shot the ball really well. So, I couldn't come up with one player for the player of the week. It's it's not fair to give it to Brogdon just because it's his first game back. or It's not fair to give it to Turner because he had one really good game, and I can't do the same thing for Sabonis. So, there is no Golden Star Player of the Week. I'm giving the Golden Star Player of the Week to the entire Indiana Pacers team, but more importantly, I'm going to give it to Kevin Pritchard. For putting these pieces on this roster, making this a balanced attack that we've seen multiple times over and over again. I like it. It's true because it seems like, you know, that was a hard week to pick who was the top performer. Everybody rotated. And yeah, shout out to Pritchard because you even saw a guy like Jakar Sampson. You know I was going to slip it in there. Dish a cold plate of revenge against Oh my God. He filled in. He was perfect from the field. And it's just, that's why you got to give this shout out. They've already played against the That's why you give the shout out to Pritchard because everybody steps up when we need them to. All right. So I I think that pretty much wraps up that segment. I don't have anything else to say. But uh, Jakar Sampson, shout out. Great game on Friday against the Bulls. And, uh, you know, if they do want to rest a bonus, I'm completely fine with Jakar starting. So, uh, Last thing here, Fox, we did mention it just a tiny bit with Kent Sterling. This is the halfway point of the season. Uh, tonight against the, the Minnesota Timberwolves will be our 41st game of the season. What is one thing overall through these first 41 games that you wanted to say has stuck out to you the most? It's the depth. I mean, just when you were touching on the job that Pritchard's done, I was worried that Chemistry could be an issue, but we brought in so many guys, and now this Pacer team has six players averaging over 10 points, and then you got Doug McDermott sitting at nine and a half. You nearly have seven players in double figures, and Oladipo hasn't played yet. I mean, this team, the depth shows when one guy goes out, there's been someone to step in all the time that we have the best problem you could possibly have right now, and that's... Too many good players. 
Right. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. I mean, the the depth is just huge for this team. And no matter the injuries that we've had, we've had guys step up. Even the guys that we consider, uh, you know, not important, like a TJ Leaf. I mean, uh, against the Bulls, I think he had 15 rebounds. Is that how many it was, or was it more than that? Wasn't he like 22 and 15 that game or something stupid like that? Are you talking about last year? No, this year. I'm, I mean, 2018, 2019, 2020, but earlier this season against the Bulls, TJ Leaf stepped up. Oh, yes. Okay. Because I, I, I was going to say, I was, the other night, I was like, no way. No, no, no. But no, yeah, no. earlier earlier in the year, he did. He Out of nowhere, he had like 15 rebounds. Right. It, it, was, a, it was a pretty good performance. And, and that's what I'm saying. 13 and 15, to be exact. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I don't know where I got 20 and 15, but I'm <laughs> not that excited for Leaf. <laughs> too but, much credit. <laughs> uh, yeah, too much credit. But, but it. For example, like Nas uh, Mitru Long comes in when both of our point guards are hurt and really does a good job playing with Aaron Holiday uh, against the Nets and just really fills in that role. It's like this this team is deep everywhere and it's not just you know the top ten. It's it's one through fifteen. I mean, we've really seen some solid minutes. I mean, even Alize Johnson, your boy, has mm-hmm. really proven when he's gotten minutes that, you know, he's not just a slug out there. <laughs> slug, get it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, what a slide I mean, in there. Even a guy like Edmund Sumner. Sumner uh, scores Sumner in double figures. Extension. That's what I'm saying. Like, Yeah, but he was expected exactly. to get a little it's, bit it's more true. of a crack at the rotation, unlike the guys yeah. I'm talking about. No, no, it's true, but just for Sumner, scores in double figures back-to-back games. Uh, and then just goes to the bench and just doesn't even get in the next game. So it, it just shows that we don't have the luxury to play, you know, go 15 deep, but we have 15 quality players on this yeah, team. Absolutely. And it also goes to show that even if you're a last man on an NBA roster, you're not trash, like a lot of people like to say, just because you're not getting consistent minutes. It just means that you're just not at that elite level. But that's okay because mm-hmm. the NBA is the top 450 players in the league for a reason. So. Anyway, my thing that I wanted to point out, and out of all the things I could point out, Foch, I have no idea why, but it's it's got to be the play that I've seen from Miles Turner recently. I have been a Miles Turner critic. I have said that I think that he has reached his ceiling. I have said that I don't think that there is much more potential for him. I think this is just who he is. And honestly, I was a little bit wrong on that. I wouldn't say that I was completely wrong because still he's averaging about the same numbers that he has his whole entire career this year. Uh, Numbers are down a little bit, but he's also taking on a new role. I want to say this. Miles Turner has been absolutely fantastic the last month and a half. He has done everything that the Pacers have asked him to do with a good heart, a perfect teammate, and he has been pivotal for the Pacers' success this season. I'm not saying that, you know, he doesn't have any flaws to his game, but I will say this. His perimeter defense has gotten better. His rim protection is still as elite as it ever has been. He's shooting the three ball at a high rate, and you know he is doing what the coaches are asking him to do. And that can be a bit of a challenge, and he's doing it with a cheerful heart. So I'll let you talk about Miles Turner, but I just want to give him some praise because our podcast is very DeMontis Sabonis-centric. We're very heavy on Sabonis' praise, and while I'm still very much in that camp of Sabonis as an all-star, give him all the praise, we should not ignore the season that Miles Turner is having. 
Of course. Sometimes we were very guilty of wearing our emotions on our sleeve if it's a, a rough Turner game. But it, there, there's not. it's not meant to be bashing. It's meant to say, how can we get more out of him? And lately, the Pacers have gotten much more out of Sabonis. I touched on it earlier. Since 2020 came around, he's averaging basically 17 and 8. Right. So he's he's really stepped up in a, in a game where there was no Sabonis. Miles Turner looked dominant, as right. we said before. So I, I think that he's done everything asked of him. He has not complained. And we're, we're taking him for granted at times because if Turner wasn't on this team, you would see the difference. I mean, he's he's really – what he does well, he's done well. I mean, he stretched the floor, created spacing. When when he's playing the five, he's rebounding better. I mean, a double-double in the last two games right over there. I mean, he's not one to put on a big double-double streak, but I feel like the confidence is back in Miles Turner. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Foch. So as we wrap things up, I just have to ask you, uh, this coming Wednesday, are you looking forward to that 8 o'clock tip-off between the Wizards and the Bulls? Alex, I think you're the Wizards fan here because you got that schedule down pretty pat. I had no idea that the Bulls and the Wizards and the depths of the Eastern Conference standings are facing off. What are you talking about? You just text me. Oh, I did you not. Said, you said, hey, I can't do the uh, Pacers-Timberwolves recap game. I'm watching Bulls-Wizards with my girl. Yeah. Okay. Well, that never happened. Uh, <laughs> but you want to know what will. text did happen? You guys want to hear this? Guys, unfortunately, this is true. This is true. <laughs> so I, I'm sitting here waiting for Fachi to get on the podcast. And uh, I get a text from him, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if he got delayed a little bit. And it said, I'll be missing your call today, my love. And I said, oh, boy, what has Fachi done? He has accidentally sent me the wrong text. Can I keep reading, <laughs> or do you want me to stop? Uh, no, you can keep going. Let's just let's just air it out. He said, I will be missing your call today, my love. Uh, shout out, Amy, babe. Uh, but mm-hmm. I already miss you very much and can't wait to see you later when you're done getting your new lashes. <laughs> yep. So, and then, guys, and then you know, comma, you know how love you with three exclamation points. Fachi, you tweet like my – you text like my dad. Hey, you know how the <laughs> saying goes. Happy wife, happy life. Gotta She's keep the girlfriend wife. happy. I know, but you gotta keep the girlfriend happy. You know, I know that we had, we're gonna get some dinner later, but I figured, hey, I'm gonna hop on the podcast now. She usually calls me after work. Might as well beat her to the punch. Let her know that we are gonna be talking Pacer basketball. I, my jaw almost hit the ground when I get a laughing emoji and a gift. From Alex, uh, basically saying, I don't think you meant this to me. Here I am thinking, what did I just do? Couldn't have sounded any softer, but at the same point, <laughs> hey, got to keep the girlfriend happy. <laughs> my my exact tweet was, love you too, with a, with a gift from the little rascals uh, kid putting his hands on his face, smiling real big, uh, with three laughing emojis. And then Faji wrote, wow, with about 18 Ws, and then wrote, whoops. And I said, hopefully my lashes are exactly how you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, folks, I was disappointed. They weren't. But they said, no. well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. They're in my phone book as Alex and Amy. The text message right next to each other. What are you going to do? I know, I know. Well, Fachi, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because 
I know you got things to do with Babe. I've got things to do with my Babe. And all I got to say is I cannot wait for you to replace that Bradley Beal poster on the back of your door with an all-star DeMontis Sabonis one. There will never be a Bradley Beal poster on this door. This door is is open for space. All right? We will put any pacer on there, and uh, I'm all for it. Anyone who wants to make the all-star team is going on that door. <laughs> Well, Bradley Beal is an all-star, so anybody that wants to go on there, come on up. Mm-hmm. Not my all-star, all right? <laughs> not my all-star, hashtag not my all-star. All right, everybody, that's enough ranting from us. Thanks for making it this far on the show. We hope you guys enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. If you aren't already, please do so. We love interacting with all of our great fans on there. You can also follow us on Pacers Talk on Instagram. I'm at AlexGoldenNBA on Twitter, and my boy Mike Focci is at underscore F-A-C-C-I. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.